The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. And I'm afraid it's another unhappy week in Villa land. And whenever times are tough, people start getting a bit snappy with each other. But here on the podcast, there's going to be no such problem, although sometimes there can be with Greg and me. So it's welcome to Greg. Welcome to Holly. How are you both doing? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Dan. Just a little bit of a late finish last night on the way home from Milton Keynes. But, uh, but no, all good. Thank you, mate. Yep, global Greg Evans that only goes to places in the UK. Holly, there was a nickname suggested by Adam Wright, it was, on Twitter, Jolly Holly, but I don't think we're having that. Oh, not because you're not jolly, but I just I think we need some alliteration in there, don't we? Yeah, I think the alliteration is key. Um, and I would say after recent Villa performances since joining the podcast have not gone well, I am not the jolliest person in the world. Yeah, Greg, since Holly's come on board on the podcast, even since she's made guest appearances... I haven't picked up a point. <laughs> oh dear, yeah, that's a, it's not, there's a bad omen. It's not a good sign, is it? Although I do quite like the the nickname Jolly Holly. I'm yeah. I'm in the minority here, but yeah, I think it's a good one. Well, hopefully after the weekend she might be a little bit jolly because it would be good to do a podcast talking about Villa doing something other than losing because that's what happened, Greg, on Friday night at the Emirates unchanged Villa side, which I didn't particularly have a problem with, but Twitter, which we'll come on to later, did absolutely have a problem with. And it was a woeful start. Were there still shell shock from Wolves? I think a little bit so, Dan, yeah. Um, I mean, look, we're, we're a fair few days on now and I'm still quite shell shocked by the actual performance, um, especially that first half. It was terrible. And, one, you know, look, I've, I've covered Villa for a long time now. You know, you guys have, have watched them as supporters for a long time. But that first 45 minutes was up there with, with the worst that, you know, that they've performed for a very, very long time. Um, in my report, I actually put that the final 15 minutes at Wolves and the first 45 minutes at Arsenal made up for Smith's worst hour as, as, a, as a Villa manager. Um, I think there are a few maybe other performances that could have gone in there. You know, a 6-1 defeat to, to Man City, a 3-0 defeat to Wigan in the Championship and a few others, you know, 4-0 at Leicester, 3-0 at, at Southampton. But I just think collectively there were so, so many errors, so many mistakes um, and just absolutely nothing to convince you that Villa looked like a decent team in that hour. So um, it was a really, really worrying performance. I think that's probably fair when you take away the end of take in sorry the end of the Wolves game and the start of the Arsenal game Holly you want to see a reaction from what happened in in the Wolves game the way Villa capitulated but it just carried on the thing that I always like about Villa is is their enthusiasm and how hard they work regardless of what the scoreline is and even if they lose if I feel that Villa have put all the work in then I'm still semi-happy with, with the team as a whole. But yeah, that first 45 minutes, it, it was like they hadn't really shown up to the Emirates. And it was disappointing to see that kind of the Wolves result and previous results had kind of impacted them so badly because normally they've been really good at bouncing back and, and having fresh minds and, and attacking a new game with as much energy as possible. So you could sense the frustration for me through the screen and I, it kind of made the game difficult to watch, definitely the first 45 minutes. Yeah, Greg, we made... Arsenal, who I still stand by, are an average side. Villa just made them look very, very good on Friday. We made them look like the Invincibles. It was like Thierry Henry, Vieira, Pires, Lundberg, 
all the gang were back together because we just gave them so much respect. And that is not how you play against Arsenal at all. You need to be in Arsenal's faces. You need to get amongst them, get the crowd on the back. Villa was so passive, could barely string three or four passes together. Then to top it all off, the set-piece defending was horrific. I mean, it's not even a good header from Parter. It's hit him on the shoulder, trickled in. Everything was just off. Yeah, there were a lot of things you've you've highlighted there. Um, yeah, I did I go off on one a little bit. There's about five or six questions. Yeah, sorry. In there, so I'll, try, <laughs> I'll try and address them um, in um, in order. First of all, Arsenal. We discussed previously in the last podcast, didn't we, that Crystal Palace found lots of gaps um, in their defence and, and and weaknesses. I feel like Arsenal tightened that up a little bit, but then went with went with almost a traditional four four two. It was quite unusual to see Arsenal playing that way, but it worked. They 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 took the game to Villa, and it, that was the that was the most vibrant I've heard the Emirates for some time. Certainly, as I've been going as a reporter, they just felt like there was a, a real buzz there, and um, and it felt like they believed that they wanted that they were going to win the game more than Villa, which was surprising because, as you say, not really much to split between the two teams this season. Um, Arsenal is certainly one of the teams that Villa want to. Uh, overtake in times ahead they just weren't at it Arsenal were the better team um, Emil Smith-Rowe I thought was great going forward and defensively um, and then the forward players caused them some problems and, and it just felt like Villa were pinned back for so so long um, the set pieces that you mentioned yeah you know, I hate to keep bringing this up but I just I said that you know we, we can't judge Villa on their set pieces until we've seen more of them um, and the defensive shortcomings were highlighted at the Emirates feel like Villa have lost that willingness to go and win the ball first um, to keep the ball out the net and it showed with Arsenal players continuously um, getting on the end of corners you know Party had two real good chances no, should, no. should have scored two mm. and then I think there was a there was another effort that went close as well so yeah a really disappointing day overall this did the disaster hour. Had we conceded a set piece before this hour? No, I don't think. I don't think they have. No, no, no. And I don't then concede four in an hour. Yeah, That's yeah. Shocking. I, I need to double check that, but I'm pretty sure. I'm confident that we haven't. I'm pretty sure. That, well, I mean, look, it's five really as well, isn't it? If you count the penalty, that is classed as a oh, set yeah. piece goal. But you know, I think think we're we're um, fiddling the figures a bit there. If, if we if we call that a. If we call that one, but um, yeah, Dean Smith was asked this after the Wolves game, you know, basically the questions towards him were what the hell went wrong at set pieces? And he said, well, for the previous seven games, we've defended set pieces really well. This was just a one-off, but as alluding back to your very first question, Dan, they didn't shake off that hangover from Wolves and um, took it into that first half at Arsenal. I think I did say in the last last week that, you know, it can become a habit. And it's exactly what's happened. It's followed on and it's been a problem two games running. And just as we were coming to half-time, Holly, I think the only positive I had in my mind was that it was only 1-0. And surely we wouldn't be as bad in the second half as we were in the first. But no, we had to give away a penalty in stoppage time, albeit via some late VAR drama. I thought it was a penalty. I've seen mixed reviews on social media as to to whether it was a a penalty or not. Holly, Holly, did you think it was? I think it was. I think a lot of Villa fans will feel hard done by because of the fact that you could argue it definitely seems like Target wasn't aware of of Lacazette going in towards the ball. So I think it was a penalty because of the contact made and and he definitely didn't win the ball. But I do feel for Target because to me it looked like he wasn't aware of where Lacazette was or his attempt for the ball. So 
again, I think it's that feeling of being hard done by deflected goals, penalties, you know, and Villa not kind of really finding their feet in the last few games. And like I said before, the energy levels seem low. Arsenal were more energetic. Son just ran around the pitch in the Spurs game. Wolves could tell Villa were tired for the last 10 minutes. So it just feels like a very out-of-place Villa team that we're not used to seeing from the last 12 to 18 months. It was a bit clumsy from, from target, Greg. What was the, was the view in the press box? Did it, did everyone seem to think it was a penalty there? I think, yeah, with the benefit of, of replays, you know, we looked at it and thought, yeah, that was a penalty. Um, in real time, we didn't because the game carried on and, and it kind of thought, well, that looked really soft to me. Um, and, and people around me agreed. You know, and the majority of them were, were had, a, had an Arsenal hat on as well, so... Yeah, look, it's been a difficult few games for Target, hasn't it? He's conceded a penalty, conceded two own goals in the previous games. Um, his form hasn't been quite as well. His form hasn't been as good as it was last season. Um, some supporters have have been highlighting it. I think maybe the wing back system doesn't work quite as well for him. No, it doesn't suit. Yeah, and I think what a lot of people are also forgetting is that he hasn't got Jack Grealish, one of the best players in the Premier League, ahead of him um, to to you know to take that pressure off him uh, and just support him in you know those times of need so I think but I think if Villa move back to a 4-4 4-3-3 you know with a, basically a flat back four I think is the is the way forward for Villa that that would be my view um, and I'd like to see if Target is any better there but um, look I'm, I'm not digging him out because I don't think Ashley Young will come in and do a particularly better job I think they're much of a muchness I saw one of the comments off the back of your article saying you know we've got a Serie A winner Recent Serie A winner sat, sat on our bench that's used to playing in a wing back system. Would would he not yeah, be a I better mean, from, option? From, from what I've seen of from what I've seen from Ashley Young uh, in the games that he's played, it, there's no real difference for me between him and him and Target. Uh, maybe he needs a couple of games for me to have a look at him a bit closer. But yeah, I, don't, I think the two, possibly, you know, not, not not much difference really. Yeah, very upsetting for Emmy Martinez. Hello. Wanted to go back and make a good impression at the Emirates. I mean, I actually do think he should have done a little bit better with the, with the party shoulder roller, actually. But, you know, he saved the penalty. And, of course, the way the night, night was going, we couldn't just have a, a little bit of luck when we needed it. Not that we really deserved it because we were poor. Great penalty save from his own old teammate, Abamyang. But then he promptly tooks in the rebound and Emmy Martinez is crestfallen on the floor. Yeah, I did feel bad for Emmy Martinez with the penalty. I I mean, no, none of the Aston Villa players really followed the ball up as though they didn't back one of the best keepers in the Premier League to actually make the save in the first place. And you could tell that he was frustrated throughout the whole game, um, probably from his own performance and just with how his defensive line in front of him were performing as well because it just didn't click in front of him so I felt sorry for him and and like you said he would have wanted to make a good impression at his former club and definitely wanted like a a personal vendetta to win that game as well so he'll definitely have better games and he's already had better games this season I guess just returning to the Emirates was a bit too much that's a, it's a real good point Holly made actually about the defenders not backing that up. I, I haven't watched the penalty back because I didn't. I don't think they. Could, I don't think they. Could. Aubameyang's already there, isn't it? He's definitely closer, but like no one was near Aubameyang. It was a very easy um, follow up to to put into the back of the net. So, you know, if I as a defender myself, I always follow every ball, and that's what every defender should be doing. So, you know, could there be a bit of a case that they should have followed that more and had a bit more belief in? Like I said, arguably one of the best Premier League keepers. Yeah, Dan Smith was a bit upset about the rules, wasn't he? Maybe questioning whether they should have been allowed to tuck away the rebound, but that's going to take some of our referee friends to answer that question because I certainly don't have the answer to it. And I don't think Dean Smith got the answer to it 
that he was looking for at all. Villa were definitely the better side in the second half, Greg, but it's these, these, these bad habits again. So you suddenly conceded from set pieces. You conceded a goal, a clumsy goal, right on half-time by giving away a penalty. And then you start to get a bit of a foothold in the game. And you concede the third that absolutely kills the game. So you know, it's, it's bad habits that are creeping into Villa. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I, I, I'm, I don't mean to sound rude here, but I'm not having it that Villa were the better side. It's easy to play against a team. All right, okay. I'm, when I say the better side... They were better than they were in the first half, which wouldn't have been difficult. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and again, that th- they couldn't have been any worse. So um, I-, I wrote that in my report, look, that, that, that they were better in the second half. But yeah, purely because they were so dreadful in the first half. But it's easy to, to, to go at a team who are sitting back with a two-goal lead um, and, and, you know, play a little bit more aggressive. Um, and then what we've seen from Villa is that they can't pull it all together at the moment because when they went that little bit more aggressive, they got done on and lost another goal and went 3-0 down. So it, it, there are problems I thought that there goal was moment. shocking, by the way. I, I don't think it's got a lot of coverage. I thought some of the, the pressing was embarrassing. The, the timing of players coming out to, pre, to press the ball. Concert, I think it was concert, I might be wrong. Came way too far, just left a massive gap, left Mings exposed. You know, if that had been the other way around, the Villa fans would have been absolutely slating Mings. Uh, yeah, agreed, because it, they, they were all over the place. And look, I, I, don't, I can't talk about what they do in training because I don't know the exact plans and what Dean Smith is asking them to do. But, you know, there are... There are, there are triggers, aren't they, for where you go in press as a team and it just doesn't seem that there's a there's that correlation between the players at the moment. They don't seem to be working, singing off the same hymn sheet. Um, the amount of pressures that, that the forward players are putting on, um, strikers, are down, uh, sorry, on defenders are down slightly this season. Villa aren't pressing as much as they have in previous seasons. Ollie Watkins still is. He still sets the tone for Villa, but um, I think what you find with Danny Ings is he's dropping back a little bit more and... Is that because he's a new player and he's trying to make a bit more of an impact? Uh, you know, he's, he's trying to make the fans sort of see, look, I'm working hard. I'm, I'm, you know, but his qualities are in the box, aren't they? You need him in the box. Um, we've dis- we've discussed Watkins and Ings at, at length in previous podcasts, but um, for me, just that the balance isn't quite there at the moment in the Villa team. Um, the formation just wasn't isn't right now. I, I spoke very highly about how well it was, at, how good it looked at Chelsea, even though they lost 3-0. And then um, how Villa went on to beat Man United 1-0. But if you remember, the 3-0 win over Everton was kind of sparked when Target went off, wasn't it? And Bailey came on. And Bailey came on. I mean, that was... Yeah, the system kind of stayed the same, but you're asking, you've got Leon Bailey in the team. Now, I don't for one minute want Leon Bailey as, as a wing-back because I I don't want to see him having to do the defensive duties that wing-backs typically would have to do. Um, but something needs to change and Bailey needs to start for a fact. I think there's absolutely no doubt he'll start on Sunday. Villa need a game-changer and Leon Bailey is going to be their game-changer if he can stay fit. This season, it's nice to see Jacob Ramsey pop up with his first goal, or a nice finish. Although Polly was pr- pretty futile in the end, but it'll do him good to get that first goal because it has been a while coming. I'm always excited to see youth products do well, and I think on a personal note for him, off the back of a not great performance against Spurs, that goal will hopefully kind of reboost his confidence and show that he is an important part of the team whether that's in the starting 11 or as an impact sub um, and I think he actually kind of at the moment fits that impact sub role quite well because of his slightly more defensive mind and capabilities and as he proved the way he can also uh, go forward and make an impact in front of goal as well so 
I agree. I would want to see Leon Bailey featuring this weekend. Will that impact Jacob Ramsey's position in the starting eleven? In my mind, most likely. Um, so I just hope that he can kind of continue his momentum off the back of that goal and, and play a key role as a good impact sub that Dean Smith kind of needs to, to nurture and make sure he's kind of got his head in the right place and continues to grow into the the first team because at the moment he's kind of pushed his way up the pecking order. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So as we say, a frustrating night for Villa, for the players, for Dean Smith and for the fans as well. But even before the game had started, Holly, it was a frustrating night for me on Twitter because I was getting abuse from several quarters, even when the starting lineup was announced, just because I wouldn't savage the starting lineup before a game had kicked off. I mean, ultimately, the people that criticised it have turned out to be right because Villa have lost the game and were really, really poor. But when Villa lose a few games, it's just Twitter becomes so, so tetchy. It was, it was a horrible place on Friday, a horrible place on Saturday. I, I just I came off it in the end. I ended up doing a video just saying to people to, to get a life, get a grip. It's only a game. You know, everyone's, everyone's got opinions. Just because you don't want Dean Smith sacked doesn't mean that you should be getting a load of abuse. You know, he's just passed his three-year anniversary. How would you assess his, his three years? Because he's starting to get a bit more stick. It's, it's ramping up now on social media. It definitely is. And um, at 24 and a female just getting into the journalism industry and kind of being more open and, and chatting with the Villa community more. It's, I've kind of had that myself gradually as I become more involved and, and things like that. And I have had also had a lot of Villa fans who have been really polite. But I think I think Villa fans have the expectation this season that it that it is like top A or it's not a success. They know Dean Smith can progress and show improvements and, you know, ultimately get Villa back to to the club that they once were, which was playing in European football. So I can understand why frustration is creeping in early. However, like you said, the three years under Dean Smith, it's been progression every time and he's he's done amazing things for the club and so has the investment within the club as well it's really put like put Villa on the map again and for me the thing that I kind of thought about after watching your videos on social media as well is for me I admire that Dean Smith is trying to stick with a back three because he's trying to make his plan work he trusts his staff and himself and his players to make a system work but there does come a time where you have to kind of question would going to a back four be safer and I know that we've obviously talked about formation a lot but there comes a time where you kind of have to restore confidence in both the players the coaching staff and the fans with a kind of more traditional play style so I think the 
the hostility between fans so quickly is is jumping the gun because yes three bad results is not what you want to see but there's still so much left of the season and and I think there has to be a little bit more trust that Dean Smith is the right person and the players are the right people to kind of turn it around and make it work I mean we've spoken about it before if it wasn't for Project Restart I think there was a really good chance Dean Smith was going to get sacked and, and Villa you know would not have finished nearly as well as they had by the end of of the restart of the season so I think there just needs to be more time and more consideration that people are voicing opinions and opinions aren't I don't know it's one of those weird things can opinions be wrong kind of situation and I just think no I don't think they can no exactly I think I don't think it's the way you articulate them and it's respecting that someone else can have a different opinion and I think that's you know that's what people struggle with on, on social media it's useful but it is distorted by bias towards negativity and if you don't hold the same opinion as, as someone they, they're not afraid to give you stick because most of the time you don't even know who they are although in a lot of cases the people I was looking at that were giving me stick they have got their face there they're saying they're a proud family man they're saying they're a proud father of three and things like that and the attitude is just absolutely disgusting but Greg the fans in the ground was, was it was it replicated there that the, the angst that was on social media did, did it come across in the ground at all in the away end because that's when you know things are starting to go bad when the away end reacts to an extent it was yeah which was quite worrying that the, the team were booed off at half time um now you'll you'll tell me more from 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 being in the stands obviously a lot more often than me but um you know, supporters get angry uh, and they boo performances. But if things are going all right and a bad performance comes in here and there, typically they don't boo because the season's you know ticking along and, and there's a chance to repair it. But that for me was a concern because I thought, well, if the away fans are turning slightly at that point, what's going to happen if that momentum builds a little bit? Now, as you say, look, Twitter on on Twitter and and social media can go. A little bit crazy, and I never ever judge the sentiment of, of Villa supporters purely off Twitter alone because it, it's inaccurate. The majority of fans who are, who are voicing their concern immediately after the after the game are fans that haven't been to the game and, and don't go to the game. I'm not saying they're any less of a supporter, but um, typically the people that go show a little bit more uh, willingness to get behind the team. So for me, it's. If, if you're any team who loses three games in a row in the Premier League um, and you're looking to progress, it starts to become a worry and an issue. Now, for me, I think Dean Smith will be under big pressure if they lose on Saturday, on Sunday against West Ham. I think four defeats in a row, um, it, you know, you're getting towards that point where you're thinking, what's going to happen next? You, you really do need a win to get out of this now. Um, and... Yeah, it's, it's not been a great start to the season, but it, it also wasn't a very good end to the season, really. If you look at the, the second yeah, I was half... I about this last night. If you look yeah. at the second half of last season, I think Villa only won six games out of 19. Two of them were, were the final games of the se- final two games of the season. Um, there, was the, there was the question and the criticism that, that which for me is, 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 is ridiculous, that, that, that um, Dean Smith can't get Aston Villa going without Jack Grealish. Yeah, the stats maybe point towards that but that's a that's not a fair argument let's be honest you need to give him credit for what he's done with other players um but yeah you know 
it's a, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a concern Villa's Villa's form and they need to start to find some sort of momentum. You know, I put a tweet out saying they they need to find momentum and and that was criticised a little bit because uh, a lot of people were jumping on that saying it's not about momentum, it's about the manager getting this team going and the players wanting to win and and showing the willingness to go and win. Yeah, okay, there's a bit of that as well, but they do need some momentum because they haven't really had that for a while now. They need Leon Bailey back as well. I honestly believe that, Holly, that him coming back is, is absolutely huge because I know you can't be reliant on one player, but I do really feel like he was going to be the Jack Grealish of, of this Villa team, the player, that, the player that could carry the ball, the player could, that could excite the fans. You can give him the ball and let him let, it let loose. You know, the cameos he's had so far this season, he's been brilliant and... He was one of the main replacements for Grealish and we just haven't seen him on the pitch and he will make a huge difference. Yeah, massively. He's a, a very talented player and um, even the 21 minutes that he featured before he got injured again, you know, were extremely promising and it was like the only thing I saw Villa fans talk about on Twitter after that game. So I think the nice thing about when you have a new player is they want to impress and they want to do well and they'll work sometimes 10 times harder than the players that have been at the club for, for years. So... I think that new energy and that new style that he can bring will be kind of part of, like Greg said, that momentum to get Villa going again and, and back to winning ways. So hopefully he he's classed as fully fit and, and can start on um, in the game against West Ham on the weekend. Otherwise, I, I do agree with Greg. Momentum is key and it might be a struggle to get that when you've not got some key players available or, or not fully fit to play majority of a match. Greg's really worried me about losing four in a row now. That, that, that does sound bad. <laughs> Positive vibes. Yeah, the, the concern for me is just that like... Look, they're, they're not other sta- They're not like Manchester United, who, who are in disarray, and and you can go through the whole Manchester United team really and say, not a, not not one single player is in form, um, and 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 Oligan Solskjaer is not really making any of those players better at the at this moment in time. But you can also look at Villa, and and you can say, well, the back the back three aren't in the best of form. The back five shouldn't really be a back five. The front two aren't really working. The record signing isn't um, finding any momentum yet. The, the the player who came in to replace Jack Grealish effectively was Liam Bailey and hasn't played many minutes. They were starting just to get a lot of issues now. And yeah, it's an old cliche and a, and a win changes everything. But that's what Villa do need. They just need a win. And then every start, everybody starts thinking a little bit differently and starting to pick more of the positives out. At the moment, Villa are on a really difficult run. Uh, okay, they've been playing against good teams, but they're on a difficult run and they need to get over that. And I'm, and I'm, I'm concerned because I like West Ham. I've watched them for a couple of seasons now. And they're very Moyes, good. And very I like good. them. They're so disciplined. They're so organised. And they've got three game changers up there who can make a real difference. So it's, it's not, it's not going to be an easy game game at all. I think the other thing with the West Ham game this weekend is I've seen quite a few comparisons between Villa and West Ham when we were both in that relegation battle and you know Villa now in a bad run of form West Ham have European football sat fourth in the table going into this weekend's set of fixtures so I think that that's the other thing that is kind of against Villa's and Dean Smith's favour is is that people like to compare teams against each other and, and their progress and unfortunately West Ham who we play this weekend have had a much better run since both teams were at risk of relegation so it's how to, how do Villa get to where West Ham are currently at and where Villa want to be and and you know losing to them this weekend could kind of be a real kick in the teeth for for frustration and Villa fans and Dean Smith and the team. I think the main difference between Villa and West Ham Greg I would say and I think these two are 
arguably in the top three midfield partnerships in, in across the whole league. Rice and Suchek, they give the defence such protection, they're such, so, so disciplined, they're so, such good players, but then they also give the attacking players the platform. It's like a lovely, it's like a lovely balance. I think I think those two really are up there as in one of the best midfield pairings in the Premier League. And Villa's inconsistencies. I mean, we wax lyrical about McGinn the game before getting the wall. I know we lost, but the Wolves game we wax lyrical about McGinn, and then he was really poor. I mean, they all were against Arsenal. He gave the ball away for one one of the goals as well, didn't he? It just seems to be good game, bad game. Because he wasn't very good at Spurs either, actually. I still think over the course of the season, McGinn's been Villa's best player. Yeah, I'm saying about Suchek Suchek and Rice, they're consistent. They don't have bad games. They're they're fantastic. Uh, And they're part of the reason why I love watching West Ham. I I really like Mikel Antonio. Maybe we'll go on to him later. But um, Rice and and Suchek are, as you say, the perfect combination. Because you can watch Declan Rice as well. And he will track back and get back into his defensive shape so quickly. But then the next minute, he's breaking forward, going past players and setting Ben Rama or four nails or Antonio free. So he is like the perfect midfielder at the moment. Yeah, he's great. And, you know, you wonder how far he could go. It's great for England, obviously great for West Ham. Does he need to move to an even bigger club to, to take his career on to the next level? Perhaps, but for now, you know, he's doing it for West Ham and... They look like a team. I mean, they're they're probably the team that look most likely to challenge for a top four place if anyone can, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, that's what you're. I, I would right, agree yeah. with you, Greg. Don't know if there's anybody else there, you know. So, I mean, that that just highlights how hard of the game Villa have got coming up. Um, but yeah, that they've got a lovely balance in there. The defence has been improved with with Kurt Zuma coming back. Uh, sorry, with Kurt Zuma being coming to the club. Um, there's there's a. Yes, I like watching the fullbacks as well. Cresswell has, has has been really dangerous at set pieces and set up, I think, three or four of the last goals. Mm, that bodes well, doesn't it? Yeah, Ben Johnson's come in. They haven't conceded a single goal um, in the five games that Ben Johnson has played, and I presume he'll play on Saturday, uh, Sunday as well. They've just got a really nice team, and Antonio is he's, he's amongst the goals and causing a real problem for for defenders. I just want to go back, Greg, because we kind of touched on it, but one of our one of the athletic subscribers has, has asked a question, Chris. Uh, Kind of asking which which Villa players benefit from the system that we've been playing. I think it's a valid point that you could argue that only really Matty Cash has, has got better in that system, yeah, and has looked fully comfortable. That's that's one player out of eleven. Yeah, it's a good question um, and and a good point to discuss because I agree with him. I think Matty Cash is the only one who benefits from it. Um, I think I think Konza can play well in any system. I do believe he's probably Villa's best defender. He's certainly on form anyway. And I don't think he's not. I don't think he's near the levels he was at last season. You know, it's kind of gone a bit under the radar. I'm not knocking him. I just don't. I just don't think he's at the level. He's... What do you think he's doing wrong? Then I mean, he hasn't. There hasn't been any major individual errors for me. So I mean, is it is it his positioning? Is he? What do you think? Is he not winning headers as he used to? What? What's I think going he, on? Uh, Son definitely caused him problems. It could be the fact. It could be the back three doesn't actually suit Conser. It, it could be something as simple as that. You know, he's not made as many. I don't feel like he's made as many blocks mm. as he as he did last season. So so far in games, you know, getting but he's not that he isn't putting his body on the line. I just don't feel like he's been as effective defensively. Well, I think a lot of that stems from he's the right centre back. Yeah, so he's out. Of and where and I think he, and he he's exposed more than anyone because Matty Cash often. When he plays as a fullback, he's, he's the most advanced player. Sometimes even ahead of Watkins and Ings. Um, so 
It's a difficult one because yeah, Dean Smith clearly wants to get those attacking qualities out of out of cash, but it's leaving them a little bit short defensively. And let's be honest, when Villa had a back four, Cash was a decent defender. You know, he he, he didn't get forward very often. Um which actually surprised me back then. But where I think he's better sticking to his defensive duties, protecting Konza a little bit more rather than getting forward. And, you know, look, we're going on and on and on about formations. We've got to wait and see what Smith does next. But I think if there's more emphasis on the right winger with either Traore or, or Bailey in there, then it might just leave Cash to, to stick to his defensive duties a bit and then protect Konza a bit more. Peter G is asking, is Smith under pressure to play to Anzaba, which is, you know, I'm presuming one of the reasons we've gone to a back three is to accommodate Axel into the side. Is it, does he have to play? Is there anything in his contract that means he has to play? No, as far as, far as I'm aware, look, Villa don't disclose detail, those those finer details of, of contracts. Um, as far as I'm aware, the arrangement was when Axel Twenzebi was, was when Villa were after Twenzebi, Newcastle were also into him too. Um, you know, Villa said, look, if you come here, you're going to be playing, you know, you're going to play games, we want a player. There wasn't a, as far as I'm aware, um, clause that he has to play. It was a case of, come, you know, come here and we'll give you regular games and you can get back into the United team, hopefully at some point. If Smith's playing him, it's because he thinks he's the best defender out of the three. You know, if he's been told he's going to play games, I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything in his contract, you know, but if he's being told, Holly, that he is going to play games, Contra and Mings aren't going out that side. So that points to me that back three is going to be a regular feature. Yeah, it it seems that way. And every time I kind of watch each of uh, Horse and Twanzebe play, I really can't make my mind up as to like who I prefer or who I think's perform better because I think they both had their good moments and both had their equally not so good moments so for me I agree with Greg I think Konza is Villa's best defender Mings is captain and provides that kind of leadership role a little bit more than what Konza does um so yeah I, I think it, Dean Smith to me is still making his mind up but it it kind of starts to feel like Twanzebe is going to be that main pick if he continues to play as a, a Back three. Whatever happens at the moment, whatever you talk <laughs> about, we, we just seem to always go back to system and, and formations. Villa fans in general, it's all I ever see on social media as well, is talking about three at the back and systems. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg, you've been writing about Morgan Sanson this week. He's not happy about the amount of time he's spending on the pitch. I think in your article it said that he has played 10 games in 10 months and frustrations boiled over on Friday night, didn't they? Yeah, I'm not sure he'd fit into the 3-5-2. I think he's more better in a 4-3-3 or maybe he can play in a 4-2-3-1. Yeah, we, we definitely or... need to do some more system stuff. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But, uh, no, look, yeah, I was sitting behind him. The, the press box, he's, he's, he's quite close to the dugout at Arsenal. So, 
Um, you know, him and him and some of his teammates were asked to go and warm up in the second half. Um, Leon Bailey had obviously come on at half time, and there were two substitutions of, available. Jacob Ramsey was called on first, came on and got his goal, and then Anwar Al Ghazi was the was the, fi- the the third and final substitute that was called upon. Um, now it was at that moment when Al Ghazi got the nod. Uh, that Sanson started to become very irate on the on, on the sidelines. He, he kind of took off his warm up jersey, threw it down on the floor, kicked what I believe to be a, a bunch of water bottles, um, and then started shouting off. And I don't think Dean Smith paid any attention to it, but Craig Shakespeare certainly did. You know that the assistant coach he, he turned around and kind of stared at him, kind of glared at him, and just and then the you know it all just died down. But I think it's a build-up of so many things. He's for Sanson. He's what he's played ten games in ten months. Um, I know that's slightly distorted with with the summer break and the fact that he's had injuries. But it was just it was Sanson getting to boiling point almost. You know, he's come to the club. For me, he didn't really do much in the games that he that he played early on. I didn't see how he was going to make Villa better or what he brought different to the other midfielders. Just didn't. But he see did it. come in. He came into a side at the time that was struggling. You know, a new, a new league. January moves seldom go well straight away. I would say now, coming from abroad, I would think it's hard coming in January with your living yeah. situation probably isn't sorted. We were poor. Grealish was out at the time, and we were we were just struggling, weren't we? Yeah, look, th- those are valid points. To be fair, I get that. I get that. And and look, the only reason Villa Villa bought him was because they felt that they could get um, a cheaper deal for him in January rather than the summer. As it turns out, I mean, look, he was he was valued at thirty million pound the summer before. So to get him for fourteen million, Villa thought that was good business. As it turned out, the French league had lots of troubles with their broadcast um, commercial deals. Perhaps they might have even got Sanson for cheaper then, because a lot of players left France in the summer for for, for, for relatively small fees, didn't they? Um, but yeah, I, I get your point. It's hard coming over from a different country, a different league. The Premier League is completely different to League On. Um, he needed to get used to his new teammates, the new surroundings. He's got a young family, very similar to Veritu in a way. But I was about know, to say it reminds me of that Veritu. Yeah, yes, yeah, some similar uh, things. But he, you know, he's five or six years older than Veritu was, so has got a little bit more life experience. Um, but. You know, if he's signing a player and he's the only player who comes in, you expect him to come and make a difference. And for me, he just didn't. I just didn't see it in him. Whether he's whether he's a good enough player, maybe he is. He's got to be given those games, but he hasn't completed a ninety minutes. He hasn't had a run in the team. He hasn't scored a goal. He hasn't set one up. He hasn't done anything different for me compared to the other midfielders. And then obviously he got his injuries when he came back against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup. That was his best performance in a Villa shirt for 38 minutes, I think he played. No, sorry, 42 minutes he played. He he was probably one of Villa's best players. Um, and I thought, right, finally, we're starting to see what this guy's about. Let's hope that he gets a little bit of a run in the team or at least some minutes on the pitch. And then... You know, we, we can see whether he's better than Douglas Louise or whether he's better than John McGinn or whether he's more of an option to come off the bench than Ramsey or Nakamba. Um, but then he picked up another injury and I think the, the tantrum, as I, as I described it at the Emirates, was just a build-up of all that. So, yeah, for more details, read that story. Eagle Eye Evans in the press box, spotting all the tantrums. Now, if you want to read Greg's stuff, plenty of good stuff there from our man Greg, go to theathletic.com slash villapod to get 33% off a new subscription. So if you're good at maths, that's a third off a new subscription. So yeah, just go to theathletic.com slash villapod. 
That's well, when you when you spend an old podcast talking about systems and formations, you tend to run out of time. But we need to talk about the pop pop. I can't even say it. The Papa John's Trophy, Greg. You were at the game last night at the MK Dons Villa under twenty ones. Run out four two winners. How was it? Uh, good, yeah, really enjoyable. You know, every time I go and watch the under twenty threes or under twenty ones as they were last night, they 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 entertain. I thought defensively they were a little bit open, um, and I thought that MK Dons were going to get them after the second half when it was two two. But Villa, Villa kind of turned it around and, and Carney Chuck, Chuck Wemke really came into the game. Uh, I thought he had an excellent second half. He, he dictated the play, he grabbed that game by the scruff of the neck um, and, uh, and and just constantly helped Villa go forward. And then they got, them, they got their other goals. Keenan Davis was great, got the first goal, played a part in the second one. Um, Cameron Archer got two goals, Aaron Ramsey got on the score sheet. So... Yeah, really good night for Villa. The fact that they won all three games in the Papa John's Trophy, top the league, and now go on to the knockout stages, I believe, is is really exciting. Yeah, and the bowman on the score sheet again, Holly, and a lovely celebration from Cameron Archer. Now, got to trademark that ASAP. Yeah, I, that's the only thing I've managed to see so far of um, kind of the highlights and stuff. Hopefully, I'll be able to watch them uh, after my shift today. But I really like that celebration. Um, I'm not a huge fan of like overly. I don't know flamboyant almost how some of the celebrations are in football but I like that one quite a lot so I think um, if he can break into the first team regularly and score a couple goals in the Premier League and pull that one out I think a lot of general fans would be quite pleased with that it just makes sense that celebration it does everything, everything about it. he's got when he tweets as well the pictures he's got the emoji ready to go as well <laughs> it just everything just works with that Greg I'm surprised he hasn't done it any sooner I, I, I can't recall him doing it can you in no, any of those goals him doing it yeah no I think he was just so excited when he scored for the first time previously. Yeah, I mean, look, he he's, his story is incredible, really. I, I have a lot of fun writing about him because he's just so easy to write about. I mean, the fact that he started five games, three in the Carabao, uh, two in the Carabao Cup, three in the Papa John's Trophy, and scored ten goals. He scored in every single game he started, and all five games are against senior opposition. Yeah, it's completely different playing in the Premier League, um, you know, week in week out, but. He's doing it for me. I'm, I, it's a really fun story. He came on and get Old Trafford, didn't he? And we scored when he was on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, good as well. Point, yeah. Goal. Well, Cameron can't, can't say he made uh, much of an impact. In no, but you know what I'm saying. But... <laughs> I'm not advocating for one second that he starts. I'm, over I'm all for, I'm all all for twisting the figures every now and then. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll add that in somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. You got anything coming up, Greg, that athletic subscribers can look forward to? Um, yeah, a couple of things. Um, yeah, a couple of interesting things. I can't say too much on them at the moment, but yeah. Sorry, I'm, so, I know I'm always... Uh, you know, so even when I ask the question, I think, why do I even bother asking <laughs> it? Because he's not going to give me anything. You've stopped even telling me privately as well what's going on. I don't get anything, don't get anything anymore. I'll, I'll update you whenever you want, Dan. Okay, that's fine. That'll do us for this week's edition of 1874. So thanks to Greg and thanks to Holly and thanks to the listeners for getting involved as well and sending in the questions. I know, I know you want to appreciate the listeners, don't you, Greg? Uh, yeah, I was gonna gonna say this at the start of the show. Yeah, I was just driving back from from Milton Keynes yesterday, really, and I just thought, you know, it's quite amazing how many people leave messages and tweets and and, and comments and, and send questions in. And like, you know, for me, this this is this is only my first podcast, and I, I find it quite overwhelming that so many people come back every week and and listen to us. So um, yeah, th- thanks really, thanks for all those that listen. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, the three of us really appreciate all the positive engagement on Twitter. Obviously, I criticised a certain element of social media, but 
in general, I've got to say. The years I've been on there has been nothing but love and, yeah, plenty of nice comments, plenty of questions, love speaking to people that listen to the podcast. So, yeah, please, please keep that up. We'll be back next week. Please, God, can we be talking about something positive because it is getting a bit weary talking about defeats, defeats, defeats. But, yeah, Villa need to bounce back on Sunday, 4.30 against West Ham at Villa Park. Have a great rest of the week. Up the Villa. Athletic.